today. I'll be talking about a show that was a big part of my Saturday morning cartoon livelihood. It was a science fiction show that contained a lot of jargon and references to computers that are, ironically enough, not as dated as you'd think it would be. It was the first computer animated TV series which was a heck of a thing for the time. For me, the series was engaging in both visuals and story. The characters were likable and fun, and for a show about the rather fictional inner workings of a computer, well, that's surprising to this day how much they were able to deliver. So whatever happened to the series? With all the attention on nostalgic shows and movies, does this series stand a chance of coming back? Join me as I talk about one of my absolute favorite things from Canada, aside from Mason Williams, Rick Moranis, Red Green, and Maple Syrup. I'm of course talking about... Reboot! I'm Giancarlo Danubio, and this is the Nostalgic Journal, a podcast dedicated to looking back at some of the things that I've enjoyed in my youth and trying to figure out why. So for those of you who don't really know or can hardly recall this particular series, what is it all about? Well, the intro actually gives you a good idea. I come from the net, through systems, peoples, and cities, to this place, mainframe. My format, Guardian. To mend and defend. To defend my newfound friends, their hopes and dreams. To defend them from their enemies. lives outside the net and inputs games for pleasure. No one knows for sure, but I intend to find out. Reboot! Bob, as you heard in the intro, is a guardian. Guardian number 452, if I can recall correctly. His job is to mend and defend. To mend tears, which are balls of unstable energy, which represent system instability, and to defend, defend mainframe and its citizens from anyone who means them harm, which usually consists of viruses. With a little help from his friends and his glitch, a key tool from the supercomputer. Mainframe is a fictional world where the series takes place. However, it does use real computer hardware and software elements along with terminology. Which, by the way, looking back at it now, is pretty damn clever and hilarious. The other main characters alongside Bob are... Fong, the original command.com of Mainframe. He serves as a mentor and advisor to its inhabitants and works with Bob on defending the system. Dot Matrix, originally owns the local diner in the city as well as other businesses. Enzo Matrix, Dot's younger brother who idolizes Bob as a hero. Fun fact, Enzo is an acronym of four common computer processor status register flags. Enable interrupt, negative, Zero, and Overflow. Frisket, a red and yellow dog who just about bites anyone's head off except for Enzo. Mike the TV, 
<laughs> a walking TV that both helps and hinders Bob and his friends. He means well, but often can't contain himself, speaking to everyone in a loud commercial narration-like voice. Shh! Go away! Don't give away my hiding place! Bob, are you feeling all right? Quiet! Get down, get down! What is it? Viral binomes? A roaming tear? Is it Megabyte? Hexadecimal? Worse! Much worse! Oh no! He's coming! Slices, dices, cuts, copies, pastes, and even formats julienne fries! But wait, there's more. Act now, and we'll port you the handy logomatic absolutely free for only 999999 Ah! Mike! For the 128th time! Stop! Can't we just turn him off? I can't. His remote control ran away. Can you blame it? It's bucket all nothing! Surprise your friends, amaze your family, annoy perfect strangers! It's absolutely nothing. Free for only 99 $99.99! That's it! You're getting dismantled! Glitch, screwdriver. <laughs> Megabyte. A command, conquer, and infect computer virus who serves as the series' main villain. He originated from a virus known as Kilobyte. Hack and Slash Megabyte's clumsy and bumbling henchmen. They provide a lot of the comic relief of the show and tend to fail when pitted against Bob. Hexadecimal Megabyte's sister, who is a chaotic computer virus. Her face is represented by a series of masks, each portraying a different emotion and never moving. I love her, but <laughs> she creeped me the heck out when I was a kid. Also, I'd like to take this moment to address two specific individuals, fellow podcasters Luke and Mason Williams, who run the podcast Hey, I've Got an Idea, also known as the Hagai Show. Cecil, yes, it's pronounced Cecil, not Cecil, is the waiter at Dot Steiner in Mainframe. You know, he has a digital face, a mustache, along with a French accent, and he's sort of shaped like an old Macintosh computer. His format is a dedicated server. <laughs> Get it? He's a dedicated server because he's he's de he's dedicated. Eh, never mind. The show was originally conceived in 1980 by British creative collective The Hub. It was made up of John Grace, Ian Pearson, Gavin Blair, and Phil Mitchell. The latter two moved to Vancouver to develop the series there. At that time, they had tried their hands in computer animation already by developing the music video for the Dire Straits song, Money for Nothing. Look at them yo-yos, that's the way you do it. You play the guitar on the MTV. That ain't working, that's the way you do it. Money for nothing and your chicks for free. Now that ain't working. By 1991, Reboot achieved its detailed look. The production team had quite a difficult time developing the series, though. Not only did they have to make enough episodes to be able to air, but this was the first time any company worked with 3D animation at this scale, making 30-minute episodes spanning an entire season. This, coupled with the software being new and most likely non-too-user-friendly, surely made things difficult. As if production itself wasn't tough enough, the show was met with quite a bit of censorship. 
Dot was considered too sexualized by the Board of Standards and Practices, which led to the animators giving her what they called monobreasts, essentially making her breasts less curvy and more like lumps. In another case, the word hockey, as well as the sport itself, was cut in some countries, due to the fact that it was used as vulgar slang terms there. I mean, come on! You're gonna tell me that a Canadian-made show was made to censor out the word hockey and any reference to the sport at all? I mean, this is madness! Maple syrupy madness! Though it's worth noting that in a way, the production team had the last laugh. According to the complete series DVD special features, in one episode, the binary code seen above mainframe translates into a uh, profane insult. Ha! That's sticking it to the man! Uh, binarily speaking? Mainframe was getting ready to go all out with their series. They were planning on releasing toys, video games, interactive products, all at once to create brand recognition. They didn't want to end up being a one-trick pony. With the techniques and processes that the production team were pioneering, a 3D animated series could be made in less time with fewer resources than traditional hand-drawn animation at the time. Computer scripts and render farms would do all the heavy lifting that rooms of human animators once did. And since everything they did was digital, those assets could be reused effortlessly to make commercials, movies, toys, and games. Like Dot on a Lunchbox or Megabyte's Lair as a Lampshade. The first season of the series aired on the ABC network and consisted of self-contained episodes. It mostly consisted of Bob fighting off Megabyte and dealing with an omnipotent unseen being known as the User. Anytime the User fired up a game, a large purple lightning-filled object called a GameCube, no not the system, drops into a location within Mainframe. Normally the Binomes, or the citizens of Mainframe, serve as the NPCs when the game starts, trying to keep the player from winning. The thing is, is that if the user wins a game, the section where the cube has fallen ends up being nullified, or in layman's terms, the sector gets completely destroyed, and any binomes involved in the game get turned into worm-like parasites, uh, called nulls. Unfortunately, in 1996, the show was cancelled. It remained in syndication until 1997. <laughs> I can tell you, for a while after I watched that show, I felt a little conflicted about winning my PC games. It was then picked up by Nickelodeon in 1998, which led to the development of the second season. The show remained episodic but featured an extended story arc. It introduced a new threat to mainframe called The Web. Yep, that web. Creator Gavin Blair said that the move to a longer story arc was, and I quote, Shrugging off the shackles of ABC and their BSNP, end quote, after it was cancelled. Needless to say, the production team weren't too sad about leaving the network. Originally, Mainframe Entertainment planned on following up the second season with a feature-length film. It was to be called Terabyte Rising, but was eventually dropped and a third season was produced instead. The show displayed a remarkable improvement in character models and in animation due to the advancement of mainframe entertainment's software capabilities. Subtle details like eyelashes, shadows, and generally more lifelike polygonal characters were among several visual improvements. The show's target audience shifted to children aged 12 and older. It resulted in a darker, more mature storyline. After severing ties with ABC following the second season, the show actually reached a greater number of households through syndication. 
After the end of season three, two TV movies were produced in 2001. Day of Unrising, which addressed the problem the Guardians were facing in Season 3, and My Two Bobs, which continues the events of Day of Unrising. The two movies were broken up into eight episodes in its U.S. run on Cartoon Network's Toonami, which revealed a lot of Mainframe's history, uh, which included the formation of Lost Angles, Bob's arrival in the system, and the origin of Megabyte and Hexadecimal. The initial plans for the fourth season included three films that were going to be broken down to 12 episodes, which would have been followed by a 13th musical episode. However, due to a change in deals and budget, the series was reduced to eight episodes instead. From there, production was planned to produce 30-minute episodes and then cutting them down to 21 minutes, with the extra scenes being added to the film versions for DVD release. Unfortunately, these scenes were cut from the scripts against the writer's wishes, and the decision was made to end Season 4 on a cliffhanger. Bummer. Season 4 was a bit of a love letter from Ian Pearson, Gavin Blair, and Phil Mitchell. They realized that the company that they had founded almost a decade ago at this point was slipping from their control. This would be the last project that they would oversee before leaving the company. By the end of its fourth season, Reboot was seen in over 60 countries. It won a Gemini Award for Best Animated Series for three years straight and was inducted into the Smithsonian in 1998 for its technical achievement, nominated by none other than Bill Gates. I mean, it was a relatively tiny team working with early computer animation on a TV budget. It was a pretty amazing feat. To this day, Gavin Blair has publicly refused to reveal the plans to resolve the conflict left by Season 4, in case he would ever get the opportunity to produce the show again and finally showcase the proper ending. So, whatever happened to Reboot? Well, following its acquisition by Rainmaker Income Fund in 2006, Mainframe Entertainment was renamed Rainmaker Animation. In 2007, it announced plans to create a trilogy of reboot films with illustrator-slash-animator Daniel Allen as the lead character designer. Rainmaker Animation executive president Paul Gertz stated that Reboot's legions of fans have been incredibly loyal and continue to keep the property alive on dozens of fan sites. The Art of Reboot a 104-page hardcover art book was published in February 2007 by Beat Studios containing various rare and never-before-seen conceptual artwork. Brendan McCarthy's art was the major focus of the book. In conjunction with the debut of the website Zeros to Heroes, Rainmaker announced an intention to allow fans greater access to the development of the movie plans and also in development of a reboot webcomic. Fans were given the chance to submit their own art and designs with the potential to end up as an artist on the webcomic fans would help decide on which of the five comic pitches would win. The winning pitch was Reboot Arrival. Rainmaker said that it would monitor feedback for the comic, but wouldn't use it as a basis for the company's plans for the movies. Four Reboot fans were chosen to work as artists on the comic. According to the pitch at the Zero to Heroes website, Megabyte's hunt has developed into a net-wide war, so pervasive that even other viruses are united against it. The users are absent, spending their time in an unending massively multiplayer online game. What a surprise. True to life. <laughs> a sentient system named Genosis. Genosis? 
G-N-O-S-I-S, yeah, whatever, is created as a way to stop Megabyte, but then of course goes rogue and begins to enslave systems in an attempt to gain user-like powers. Two teams of heroes are assembled to stop Gnosis and bring back the users, which include new characters and Lens the Codemaster, who appeared for one episode in Season 2 of the series. The official reboot website was updated with a countdown which ended on May 30th, 2008 at 12 a.m. Eastern. The site was then updated to include information about the first webcomic to be created by the Arrival team, continuing the community input initiated during the voting phase. The comic, now named Code of Honor, was viewable after signing up for an account or using an existing Zeros to Heroes account. A new countdown appeared on the official Reboot website on August 18, 2008 to launch the second installment of the webcomic. Once the date hit, updates were typically posted on Mondays with two pages. The comic ended shortly after Christmas and surveys were added to the site. July 2009 saw a redesign of the Reboot website along with the webcomic being made freely available. Eventually, it was revealed that the site would shut down July, with the site announcing that it was no longer shutting down later that same month. Uh, a confusing time to say the least. As of January 1st, 2017, the reboot website has been offline with no explanation from Rainmaker or Zeros to Heroes. It was actually reported that Zeros to Heroes tried to make contact with Rainmaker Studios in regards to the surprising number of spam bots registering on the uh, reboot website. This apparently led to the imminent closure of the site done by Zeros to Heroes. But somebody from Rainmaker finally reached back to Zeros to Heroes and resulted in the site coming back online. It feels as though the website has been more or less abandoned at that point. I mean, especially now, actually. Uh, more so now than it was before. The site now displays a splash image reading 404, page not found, with an image of the character Herr Doctor stating, the mainframe server is down. We thank you for your patience. Megaba uh, Bob is busy restoring the power. It's unclear. <laughs> it's unclear what the image means, but we at least know that Rainmaker Animation took the time to make the splash page. So perhaps the site's not completely dead. Rainmaker Animation has always had a bit of a tough time getting reboot-related projects off the ground. A spin-off called Binomes was planned for the end of 2004. It featured a family of binomes who lived on a chip farm. And probably a computer chip farm, seeing as how the series tends to do those sort of puns. The series would have been composed of 52 11-minute episodes and would have been aimed at a preschool audience. However, the project seemingly was shelved with no announcement. As referred to earlier, in 2008, Rainmaker Animation had announced plans for a reboot movie trilogy slated for theatrical release. Even a trailer, which was just a mere couple of seconds long, appeared on Rainmaker's official site. In March 2011, Rainmaker stated that the film was still in the company's plans. However, just like the Binome spinoff, nothing really ever came of it. In an undated podcast, Michael Heffron, president and chief creative officer of Rainmaker Animation, said that the movie was no longer being developed. And that was that. One of the last major announcements from Rainmaker Animation, 
when they were still Rainmaker Animation, was in October 2013 when they announced the development of a new reboot television series. It was named Reboot The Guardian Code. Chorus Entertainment ordered 26 episodes for one season, and filming took place on February 2017. On March of that same year, it was revealed that it would be a hybrid of live-action and CGI animation. The main cast would be teenagers who are inducted into being Guardians to protect cyberspace. The show is also planning to feature characters from the original series. Unfortunately, this new series seems to be a complete retooling, a reboot if you will, no pun intended, opposed to an actual sequel. The familiar characters may appear, but it looks like fans of the series have yet to get any closure on the season 4 cliffhanger. As I did research for this episode, I, I noticed something. The company began to change hands multiple times. It was due to investors looking for a leader who could actually get a steady income for Mainframe. Apparently, despite Reboot's success, Mainframe had a tough time gaining steady work. From what I could see, it was most likely because they wanted a lot of creative control in the projects that they were seeking out. In fact, in the early development stages of Shrek, Mainframe was approached to actually animate for the movie, but they turned it down because they wanted to use their own scripts for the movie. I mean, they turned down Shrek. And it had Chris Farley on the bill at the time before, you know, he passed away. Mainframe's original ambition was to one day make a feature-length movie. However, it spent thousands upon thousands of dollars trying to reach that goal. That, coupled with being extremely selective about their projects, ultimately led to the company moving away from being creative altogether and ending up with new staff, new leadership, and a new direction. The change in the company's direction also meant less focus on Reboot itself. The official fan site was once a place where fans could get together and, through forums, served as an official news source. It even had a shop with very rare and limited Reboot-related merchandise that ranged from action figures to apparel that was worn by the production crew. However, as time passed, there seemed to be less and less staff appointed to oversee the site, as well as less and less attention on the property itself. Upon the company being rebranded WOW Media, an effort on Rainmaker's part to consolidate operations between Rainmaker Animation and their other owned company, Frederator Studios, the franchise had been left abandoned for a good couple of years, before the announcement of Reboot the Guardian Code anyway. The Guardian Code has been met with a large amount of negativity, with people comparing it to shows like Teen Titans Go! and the new Powerpuff Girls. To understand their anger, you need to understand the show's growth over its run. It went from an episodic romp through a bright and colorful fictional world that takes place inside of a computer, to an at times dark, gripping, and even emotional series that made you really care about the characters involved. Inside a computer. Uh, personally, I too am disappointed in the direction of the series. However, I'm more disappointed in the fact that the studio has pretty much stopped listening to their fans in regards to the franchise. Before the constant change in leadership and the changes from one parent company to another, Mainframe always tended to cater to its longtime fans. Even if it was the occasional update and maintaining a website dedicated to the long-dead franchise, people appreciated that. 
Rainmaker Animation even went as far as to make a campaign to bring Reboot back, with the hashtag BringBackReboot on Twitter back in 2014. During the SIGGRAPH, an international conference and exhibition on computer graphics and interactive techniques that year, Rainmaker had a booth that boasted a lot of its significant accomplishments with Reboot displayed proudly up there too. However, after the event, little else was heard, and just like everything else Reboot-related, it was just kind of left to obscurity along with its site, BringBackReboot.com. Well, that is until the official site went down. When Reboot.com went down, it took BringBackReboot.com with it. To this day, WoW Unlimited Media continues to produce content, among them countless Barbie direct-to-video movies, oh, the, the Ratchet & Clank movie, Inspector Gadget's Biggest Caper, remember that one? Uh, oh, hey, they were also responsible for the rendered cutscenes in Ghostbusters, the video game. Oh, guys, 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 guys. Oh, my God, you people do not understand. I still remember vividly watching the series when I was a kid. It was the first show I ever made a point to just wake up early to watch because I knew if I didn't wake up early, I'd wake up late and I'd miss some of it or all of it and I would just be distraught. I would be just... I never wanted to miss an episode. I mean, I found that world just amazing. The characters were so endearing, so engaging, so much fun. I mean, it... what amuses me the most, though, as an adult looking back at the series, I mean, I not only notice all how many jokes just go over my head, but also the sheer amount of references and terminology that were used that were just so foreign to us at the time that it just sounded like futuristic lingo i mean you know opposed to now which you know such terms are commonplace you know backspace and you know dot com and and uh, the principle uh, the command it, it was just made in a time where computers were still a novelty they weren't in everyone's homes i mean it was a luxury just to own one they were shiny and new and just full of unlimited possibilities. I mean, a true time of whimsy and wonderment that makes me quite wistful to this day. Maybe WoW Unlimited Media have changed hands so many times that there's little to no one left that either remembers the series or has even worked on it. Maybe the new reboot series will actually be good and won't be a cheap cash-in on a franchise the company so happens to own. Or maybe, just hear me out here, just maybe, one day we'll get that resolution that left us at the edge of our seats since 2001. I mean, in the end, only the studio really knows. I mean, we're just along for the ride. If anything, we should give the new series a chance. I mean, it may not be what we've been waiting for all these years, but at least watch an episode or two before laying judgment on it. Hey, you never know. But hey, that's just another entry in my nostalgic journal. Special thanks to BuzzFeed for their article, How Reboot Predicted the Future But Got Left Behind, written by Matthew Braga, and to the website Reboot Revival, 
where I obtained some of my information for this episode, with the latter being one of the few places still keeping up to date with information relating to Reboot. Check them both out at www.buzzfeed.com and at www.rebootrevival.com. I'd also like to give a shout out to the Hey, I've Got an Idea podcast I mentioned earlier. If you want to hear two clever brothers make with hilarious and at times questionable ideas for various kinds of things, I strongly recommend giving them a listen. That's Hey, I've Got an Idea with Luke and Mason Williams, available on SoundCloud and on iTunes. If you have any suggestions on what I should cover in my next episode, or if you have any input whatsoever, drop it in a review on iTunes or a comment on SoundCloud. You can also drop me a line on my Twitter at N-I-C-K-A-B-O-C-K-E-R. That's Knickerbocker, spelled it right this time. Also feel free to check us out at www.grandstandradio.com for more shows. The Nostalgic Journal's theme is by Hugo Kant. This has been a production of Grandstand Radio. Thanks for listening.